0: What is going on guys and welcome to episode two of the Physique Archive. So I am very excited for this guest. This is my current coach Dylan Bear who is an RD um, and got into this coaching world um, after seeing what he could offer and what void he could fill Uh, this episode is filled with educational nuggets i really wanted to use him as a source that would ask the questions that i would ask when it comes to certain things like ped's anabolics and how to go about that so this is a deep dive um, into him what he does how he got into the industry some insights into ped use in bikini competitors um, cycles we talk about all those things so i'm very excited for you guys to listen so go ahead get out your notepad and let's dive in. Please let our listeners know a little bit about you. Um, tell them who you are, what you do, and why I'm talking to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kay. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Dylan Baer, uh, owner of Baer Aesthetics. Uh, we specialize in the bodybuilding and bikini aspect. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I am a registered dietitian, and I work alongside with a team of dietitians and dietetic students and just evidence-based general, evidence-based uh, Uh, coaches in general. So, uh, you know, what we do is try to educate as many people as possible uh, about all the evidence and science out there and try to do things in the most healthy manner while achieving, uh, helping anybody achieve their fitness and and health goals, whatever those may be.
0: Yeah. And you, I think you've talked about this um, on Instagram before, but you actually went to school knowing what you wanted to do when you got your ID, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I actually went to undergrad at Ohio State uh, for nutrition and business. And at that time, I knew I wanted to do something in the nutrition realm, but I had no idea what exactly to do until I legit took a, uh, a road trip across the country, two week road trip, kind of just let my mind do its thing and, and try to hopefully figure out what it is that I wanted to do in the future. And I was over in Colorado when it hit me. I was like, you know what? I just want to become a coach and do things a little bit differently, and tap into the online market. Because at that time, when I graduated undergrad, it was uh, spring of 2013. So kind of when Instagram was continuing to, to boom. Um, so I was, you know, trying to learn the the back end of how to be become a social media expert, so to speak. Um, and I was just like, okay, so I'm going to go back to school. Pursue my master's of science degree and become an RD. And that's exactly what I did. So, the first semester of my graduate school is when I actually started up bear aesthetics. And my goal was to basically work and build a business so I'd have something to jump on, a platform to jump on by the time I graduated. So, all my graduate career, I was working full time, uh, personal training full time. Uh, student full-time doing internships and things like that. Uh, all this the fun stuff that, that grad students do. You, all, you know all about that.
0: Yeah.
1: People thought I was insane for trying to start up a business while in grad school, but I had a vision. And, uh, and that's exactly what I wanted to do is to create a business model that I could educate more people um, in the evidence-based manner. And when I graduated Ohio State with my master's degree spring of 2016, and then sat for my registered ex, uh, dietitian examination past that. And then have just been running full throttle with BA ever since. And, uh, you know, thankfully we've been growing exponentially and, and, uh, continue to, to coach clients across the world. So.
0: Yeah. This year for you was a big year. Um, you had how many pros this year?
1: Yeah, we had a total of six pros. So four bikini, one figure and one mention seek. So nice little spread there, especially given, uh, our year was not the 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 best to start off with. I mean, it was a crazy year for everybody. Uh, we started getting back into shows the end of Ju- July, I think it was end of July, beginning of August, and then uh, yeah, we we just hit it hard. And, and uh, so proud of my fam, and you know, end up securing a lot of overall wins uh, on back to back weekends too. So it was, it was, you know, 2020 ended up being a pretty damn good year for for BA for sure.
0: Yeah, for everybody that took advantage of it and the downtime to kind of build on that, I think that it it was amazing for for a lot of people. Um, When you graduated, um, did you know specifically you wanted to get into the bodybuilding niche? Like when you said coaching, was it specific to that that niche? And were you already involved in bodybuilding or how did that come to fruition?
1: Yeah, excellent question. So actually my motivation came from my dad. Uh, So he actually has his own bodybuilding team down in Memphis, Tennessee. And growing up, my dad, I was, I, I was raised in um, around Columbus, Ohio, and my dad was in Memphis, Tennessee all of my life. So we kind of weren't the closest um, until I started wrestling and asking a bunch of questions as far as the, diet, the dietary aspect and cutting weight goes. And I saw that he coached a lot of bodybuilding athletes. So I knew about it, um, but not too much. And then when I graduated high school, I did my first show, with him being my coach. And then I really got to learn a little bit more about the bodybuilding side of things and really, really fell in love with it. Um, but when I first started coaching, my emphasis wasn't on bodybuilders, but rather just and, Sorry about that. But rather just helping people in general with their health and nutrition goals. Cause that's who I was personal training was just general gen pop clients just to, to help them lose a little bit of weight. But the more that I got into the dietetics courses and personal training world, the more I realized, um, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of misconceptions in the bodybuilding world specifically. I mean, you know it, we all know, well, not all of us know it, but um, you know, those that are evidence-based know that there's a lot of bullshit in the bodybuilding industry. And I saw a lot of potential in this area, especially the fact that I was going to school to become a dietitian. There aren't really many A dietitian in the bodybuilding world. So I kind of figured that would make me stand out in a positive manner, you know, go to school, have credentials, get my education, actually become a dietitian credentialed expert in the field of nutrition and dietetics and submerge myself in this bodybuilding world and just continue to spread more awareness of science-based practices. Um, And then once I realized how much help the bodybuilding community needed, from a dietary and you know a coaching aspect, that's when I just was like, wow, I really love educating people about this, just because so many people were, are unaware of these methodologies that could be used um, across the contest prep in a much more sustainable and, and so to speak, healthier manner. Um, and then we just started catching on. We started getting really good results, word of mouth spread out, and then uh, here we are. Now that's all I personally work with is uh, competition athletes. And then we have a, a team of other coaches and, and they do more lifestyle as well. So yeah, how
0: many coaches do you have? Initially
1: I will, um, we have seven right now, we're actually gonna add another one at the beginning of the new year. So we'll be announcing that probably here in the next week or two. So we'll have eight total at that time. And, uh, you know, just super thankful for all of them. Um, you know, when I first started BA was a one-man team and I'm just one of those guys. And I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs are like this, you try to do everything yourself. Um, And then one day I was like, my workload was just so ridiculous. Um, It was actually Lauren, uh, Lauren gave me a trip for my birthday to Greece and we were on our trip to Greece And I didn't answer like emails for like 24 hour period just because the the flights and and we were just kind of adventuring, and I looked at my inbox and I had like over 150 missed emails just in a 24 hour period. And I was like, wow, I need help. Um, So that's when I started like outsourcing for additional coaches, Um, and it's been been so amazing having additional coaches um, that can help you know spread value and education to, to the world. So,
0: yeah, that's one of the hardest things as a coach is you want to help everyone, but you just don't have the bandwidth to do so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, kind of just outsourcing for help has been the greatest thing for VA as well as our clients. Um, I was spreading myself way too thin and now I'm able to, to further help my individual clients and give them my personal attention that they truly deserve. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Quality over quantity always. So I think that's awesome. I do have a random question though. You talked about, uh, wrestling and water cutting and that kind of ties into some of the bodybuilding stuff that we see as far as water cuts. Right. Um, I do see, you know, in bikini, I don't think you need that. But again, there are still coaches that who, who seem to be good um, that use that principle. But it's mostly for bodybuilders, and so I don't know if you can kind of break that down and say why that's effective on some levels. Maybe it's PEDs, and I'm not you know well versed in that realm. Maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. But when you, would you manipulate water, and when wouldn't you?
1: Absolutely. So typically, the only time that we're going to want to manipulate water, in my eyes is if we're trying to make weight. So the only divisions that we need to make weight are going to be classic physique and men's bodybuilding. Um, And it is those divisions where I will actually manipulate water a a little bit more than what I do for the other divisions, say, you know, such as bikini or or figure. Um, You know, with these divisions, we keep water very high. We don't do any kind of water cuts because, I mean, Kate, you know as well, I mean, Mm. a lot of that can end up backfiring, causing you to look even more bloated on stage um, just because you can't control where all those, that fluid is is shifting to. Um, So we wanna keep water high, fluid high going into the show. Um, But with these classic physique and bodybuilding visions, when we have to actually make weight and look the part, then there's where we need to actually pay attention to like some water cutting and then potential diuretic use. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of diuretic use because, I mean, it's just risky business at that point in time. However, when it comes to making weight or not, sometimes the diuretics can go hand in hand with that. Um, so you see a lot of these guys will stop drinking water the last day just to make weight. And um, if that's the case, then a lot of times I'm going to recommend, you know, a lot of electrolytes following making weight and and pounding a lot of fluids after that. But um, as far as the female divisions, water cutting should not be a thing, but as you know, it really is. I, we we get so many um, bikini athletes, specifically coming to us from previous coaches, and they're all about dropping water uh, the day out and not and just like sipping on water as needed or munching on ice cubes on show day as needed. Um, and I'm not about that whatsoever, um, just because you know you have to look at it from a physiological perspective and understand that. The, our muscles are 70 to 75% comprised of water. Now, why would you want to take away that water? Because when you do that, your muscles are not going to be as hydrated. You're not going to have that much more of a shapeful look, which especially in bikini and all all divisions, really, you want your muscles to fulfill with as much shape as possible. And when you eliminate water from the equation, you're not going to have you're not going to maximize your true um, Physique's potential in doing so. So water is a huge thing. And, um, you know, if we manipulate water, it's probably just going to be in our classic physique and bodybuilding vision just to make weight.
0: Yeah. I think that's really, really important to clarify for people because I do see it all the time. I see, all, unfortunately, even, you know, smaller bikini competitors, which is going to make them just look soft and flat. You know, you need, um, water interacts with solutes and glycogen and you can't kind of make your muscle look nice, full and tight, and you're going to lose that vascularity as well. Um, and so that's, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions that I just get irritated about. It's, it's something that doesn't even need to be practiced. Um, and yet it's, it's more common than not.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times when these uh, coaches are advocating water cuts, they're also recommending um, low sodium or no sodium. Yep. Which that's not a that's not a good thing either, um, because when you cut your sodium out, uh, you know your body's hormone aldosterone is going to go up, which is going to actually cause you to retain more water. Um, and I see it so many times; these girls do this. They cut water. They cut their sodium. Um, and then their body's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, retain a little bit more water. And they come show day, they're like, I don't know what the hell happened. I looked so good one or two days out. And then we cut all my water and sodium. And then on show day, it looked like absolute shit. And uh, yeah, it's because you're not supposed to cut your sodium. It's not because you're not supposed to cut your water either. Um, and then a lot of these uh, coaches recommend the diuretics too, with, uh, with that kind of mix. And Like I said, if you're going to use diuretics, it should probably just be for the the male divisions that actually need to make weight and use the diuretics not to look the part, but rather to just make weight. Because when you add in diuretics and trying to um, optimize the aesthetic look, more times than not, it's going to backfire just because you have, I mean, they're just, diuretics are so unpredictable um, and they're so risky. Because you're you're uh, causing a lot of uh, electrolyte imbalances and fluid imbalances, and uh, can be extremely dangerous and, and uh, cause a lot of uh, a lot of stress on the heart, which is one thing that we do not want.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I see a lot with girls that I get. Um, is that from previous coaches? They'll tell them to, um, you know, cut sodium, and then they have electrolyte imbalances. And a lot of people will think it's a food issue, um, but that plays a lot with cognitive function in general. If your electrolytes are off, you're going to feel like trash. You're going to be tired. You're going to have all the symptoms of low dieting. Um, but it's really the fact that you, your body and your cells can't actually contract. You have sodium potassium pumps almost everywhere, and they interact with one another. And if you don't have them um, in the right ratios, it's going to make you feel like absolute trash.
1: Yep. Exactly. And, uh, you know, those that have, that have competed before understand like the importance of posing. And if you feel like trash, you're not going to be able to pose to your true potential. Um, that is a huge, that is one of the hardest parts of the bodybuilding is, is, uh, you know, posing your way. Um, especially like in, in divisions such as bikini, when a large part of the overall presentation goes into the posing routine. Um, if you can't pose to your full potential, then, you know, goodbye first place
0: exactly I mean you can look fantastic if you can't present yourself well you're not going to do well
1: that's why we have all you know athletes posing weeks and months before their actual show day you know 16 weeks out once you start your prep you should be starting your posing
0: immediately yeah and I think especially even people going into their off season you know I have them practice posing I still want them to go through the routine because you don't you don't want to lose it you know
1: and as exactly and uh you know I tell people because it's it's not as fun to pose in your improvement season or off season I mean all. I both can, can relate it's it's tough it's a mind fuck uh, you're not looking your best but I tell people you know if you can pose very well and you deep into your improvement season when you're not looking the best imagine how well you can pose on stage when you are looking your best so it's just muscle memory and repetition and that is the key to perfecting your posing repetition repetition repetition
0: yeah. And one of the worst but best things that I did in my last improvement season was I actually posed in front of people in my full on like improvement season, you know, physique. But if you need yeah. confidence, and, and that is going to make you confidence. Cause if you don't feel yourself in your season, but you can pose and like show people that you have confidence there, when you're shredded, like confidence is going to radiate off of you. Um, so that's, you know, Hell yeah, it's a big confidence
1: is huge it. deal. Confidence. I see so many girls. Uh, you know, guys usually don't have this part, but there's some guys too. Um, but I feel like girls struggle with this most, and and I can just tell when they're they're kind of skittish or they're kind of like in their shell, especially first time athletes. Um, you know, when they're gracing the stage. But I'm telling you, I tell everybody, like you guys have to understand, you look so good. Have that confidence, and the judges love seeing that. The judges know. The judges know whether or not you're confident. And the fact that. If they can see that you're confident, that is going to allow them to acknowledge you that much more um, and hopefully ends up resulting in a better placement.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes you, when you're timid, it just, it stands out like a sore thumb. It doesn't matter. It's like sometimes I'll see girls who look amazing and I'm like, mm-hmm. if they were just a little bit more sassy, a little more loose, like you can tell. Right. When I see it all the time. Nervous and they're like. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ah, oh, it's great. Uh, but to tie back to some of the questions that I did want to ask you, um, first, how would you describe um, the culture of your team?
1: Yeah. So those of you that know Bear Aesthetics uh, know that we have a motto called "No Bullshit, Just Science." Um, as we've already touched base on this podcast, we are a very evidence-based team, and that is our culture. It's science. We we uh, preach evidence-based practices we preach doing your research um thoroughly and that's what we stand by and we don't we're not about all the bullshit um dieting methodologies that you hear or read in the mass media um but we just promote as much research as as you possibly can
0: yeah evidence-based and i love that um, as a coach, when you onboard an athlete, what are your expectations? Do you have that conversation? Do you set the bar there or how do you, how does your onboarding process slash expectations go? Yeah,
1: okay. um, absolutely. So expectations is going to, of course, be a little bit different, uh, you know, for a first time athlete versus somebody who's pursuing their program, like yourself, Kate. Um, however, with every single one of the athletes that I take on, I, I just always ask and expect them to be coachable. Uh, and I'm sure you being a coach as well can relate to this. You need somebody that is going to be coachable um, and is willing to learn. I love educating every single one of our clients and you know, it, it, the communication goes both ways. So someone that is willing to learn um, and ask the reasons why, like that's what I expect. And that's what I, I love um, about coaching is because I, I want every single one of these uh, our athletes to understand the reasons why we're doing what we are. Um, and I'm all about educating that and um, you know, making sure that uh, we provide that for all of our athletes.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think a lot of coaches, well, most of them, if they don't explain, they don't have an answer. Um, and you know, sometimes they'll make an excuse like, well, I don't want you to worry about it. But I find that when you educate a client and you can explain why they're doing what they're doing, they're actually much more relaxed because they understand how the yeah. process is going and how it works. Whereas if you're like, Just trust me. Like I hate when people say that. Just trust me. Like no, I don't trust you. I don't trust anybody. You're all Um, fake.
1: (laughs) No, I I don't like that either. Not at all. So if your coach says you know, just trust just trust the process. That's a red flag right there. Uh, Don't trust the process and and always ask why.
0: Absolutely. Um, No, and then
1: to kind of, I'm sorry, girl.
0: No, go. Go.
1: I was just gonna say to add on like the expectations. um, You know, transparency. Is something that I'm huge upon too. Okay. So I expect every single one of our athletes to be 100% transparent. Um, you know, some people are afraid to tell their coach, like they fucked up. And I don't want any one of our, our athletes or clients to, to feel afraid in any manner. So transparency is key. If you fuck up, you know, don't think of it as a fuck up, you know, think of it as, as a you know learning experience. And I tell every single one of our clients, like, say, somebody, you know, yesterday was Christmas. Um, and somebody might have you know, overate their, their macros or you know, it, it have some kind of scenario where, where they ate more than what they should. Um, and I just tell everybody, if that's the case, then we can just use that as data, see how your body responds, see how your lifts are, where your mindset is, how your muscles look, um, and how you feel, use that as data and learn from the experience so it doesn't happen again and just move on. Um, so transparency is a huge expectation that I have for every single one of our clients.
0: I would say that is one of the biggest things that I, I really touch on during phone calls and onboarding is you know I can't make the right adjustment, the right call, if I don't know all of all of the things that have happened, right? If you can't talk to me about it, if I'm not aware, then we can't do this as a team, right? You're you're leaving out a variable that I need to to be aware of. And so when you give them that as like doesn't matter how many times I fuck up or if I fucked up, like, you know, in order for us to get from A to B, we need to know. 100% what's going on on both ends. So I think that's really important. And I'm really glad that you said that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what is probably, or a couple probably along the way, I'm sure that you have are big lessons along the way.
1: Yeah. Um, lessons that I've learned along the way. Uh, I would say asking for help. Like kind of what we reiterated on the, the podcast a little bit earlier. Um, I've learned to outsource the people who are better than I am at certain tasks, all right? So, um, you know, anytime that I struggle with an area, I, again, I try to do everything I possibly can, but I've realized, you know, I can't do everything. Um, So when I've learned to outsource to other individuals who might be a little bit better in one area, then you know, I figured I, that's, that's how we can provide the best overall experience for our clients. And that's exactly what we want. So I'm gonna use a perfect example. Um, I know how to program. You know, I, I have a background in exercise science. Um, you know, I was a personal trainer for about six years of my life, like one-on-one training. Um, But now we're having so many athletes with elite goals to the point where, you know, I want them to get a little bit more individualization when it comes to the training aspect. So I'll outsource to a couple, um, you know, of our really good trainers who have a background. They they have their CSCS um, and all refer some of our elite individuals, maybe who are looking to go pro or, you know, who is pro um, outsourced to some of these trainers that will give them a little bit more individualization and uh, overall like that much more of an experience and challenge than personally. Um, So that was one huge area where it was kind of like hard for me to let go because I like managing as many variables as possible. But the fact that the way that I see it is if we can have more coaches working on one athlete, the better progression um, and results that we're going to see for that individual.
0: Yeah I think that that's awesome and I think a lot of coaches I see the issue is they don't know how to say I don't know or yeah. You know, I, I know somebody that's better. And I think that when you're willing to learn from other people, um, like a big reason I invested in you as a coach, I was like, I know I can learn from Dylan. He's doing things, you know, he can teach me something. Um, and I think that investing in other people and knowing like, I'm good right here, but you know, I'm lacking a little bit here, or I can grow a little bit here and continuing to always evolve is going to keep you at the top of being a, a quality coach. Yeah,
1: I agree. And, you know, it, it's okay not to know the answers of everything. And I've realized that. Um, there's always going to be somebody that knows a little bit more than you. And that's a learning opportunity for you and your clients. That's the way that I like to look at it.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. So one thing that has, speaking of you being my coach, um, that has really surprised me about your approach thus far um, is your lack of um, cardio in comparison to what I'm I'm used to. Um, and you made a post the other day, which I thought was really powerful on your Instagram. You, you onboarded a client who was, you know, a few weeks out from her show and she thought she had to do more and you cut her in half basically and and fed her more. And she ended up looking like she dropped maybe eight pounds. I mean, she tightened up significantly. So can you kind of explain that approach?
1: Yeah. So first off, going back to your cardio protocols, we're just getting started, girl. So more cardio, (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) <laughs> no, you know I'll cardio Ask you if I feel like it's absolutely necessary. Um, but no, for real, I, I am not the biggest advocate of doing a shit ton of cardio. If I feel like it's going to get us to point A to point B, by all means, I will implement that. However, I like to attack things from a dietary perspective as well as a recovery perspective. So the way that I see it is if is we're doing less cardio, eating more, recovering more from our old training then we're going to see that much better results in the process Uh, to kind of use that client as an example is she came to me about three weeks out from the Olympia amateur doing two hours of cardio every single day, eating very low calories. You know, I think it was like a thousand to 1100 calories a day, not very many refeeds or anything like that. Uh, Maybe some untracked meals every now and then. And I told her right in the get go on the phone call before she even hired me, I said, listen, okay, we've got three weeks and I know like this is going to be hard for you to do, but here's what I'm thinking. We, we have to lose about you know eight to 10 pounds before we are hitting your true potential. The only way we're going to do this is by giving you a little bit more food. So my thought process is going to be reversing you from this point into the show. And I'm going to back off cardio probably by nearly half. Um, I know it's going to be hard for you to do. I just want you to know that if you hire me, this is what we're gonna do. And we're gonna get you to look better than you ever had before. And she she trusted me and I'm, I'm thankful for that because her body responded in such a positive manner. So from where she was coming to me from, Um, I just started gradually increasing her daily intake, gave her a couple back-to-back refeeds, dropped her cardio from 120 minutes a day to 60 minutes a day, which in my eyes was still way too much, but you got to think we only had three weeks to work with, not much time at all. Um, But I knew backing off cardio by half and by feeding her a little bit more than what she was used to, her body would be thanking her and in response in a very positive manner. She dropped inflammation really quickly and legit was progressing from a physical standpoint on a daily basis. I was having this girl send me pictures like every two days just to tightly monitor her um, just so I can see how she was responding because we had three weeks to go. Um, And every single time she sent me pictures, um, and posing videos, she was kept on just getting better and better. Um, and to touch on the posing aspect, you know, we talked about how a crucial posing is too. And she did not pose at all. And I was having her send me multiple posing videos like three times a day going into the show. And by the time it was show a day, her posing was so much better. Um, and, you know, it was, just, it, it was just another aspect that we added to the equation. But um, by reversing her into the show, dropping back on cardio for body just responded in a positive manner, um, and I'm just glad that she she trusted me throughout that process because you can imagine Kate too. That's a mind fuck. I mean, when you when when you uh, allowed me to take over your protocols, you were like, "Holy shit!" I'm eating quite a bit, and uh, you're asking me to only do how much cardio. I was like, "Just yeah, just just chill, okay?" And uh, you know, your body's gonna respond and, and adapt, you know, in a positive manner. So um, the human body is crazy, man. I love it.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's, it's just one of those things where you're always taught. I think the, the background noise in bodybuilding is always, you know, no days off work harder. It's supposed to suck. Um, and I think that when you, when you tie logic and evidence into it, you have to understand that your hormones are going to win before you do. Um, and if you're highly inflamed and highly stressed and everything's kind of in the tank, uh, you're not going to look very good regardless of how much work you did. So I think that's something that a lot of coaches just kind of shove out the window. They're like, uh, they're fine. They can do more, right? They, they look like they need to drop X amount of weight, but how much of that is inflammation? And, and once you get that down, it can tighten somebody's physique significantly. Yeah,
1: and more cardio and less calories is not always the answer, fam. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of coaches feel that. You know, I think a lot of coaches, probably more coaches than not, would have taken this girl and lowered her intakes even more, probably no carb or some bullshit like that, and just... Continued to keep her cardio nice and high, and she wanted it to look as nearly as good as the way she that she did. So, um, you know, you just got to be in tune with the human body and uh, understand like more cardio is not always the better, always uh, better. Um, you know, just use it as one tool. And I really am a huge advocate of just manipulating things from a dietary perspective and a biofeedback perspective as far as recovery goes. I mean, if you have a client that is prepping for a show and they're not recovering at a good rate, then that tells me, you know, we need to to recheck some of these variables from a dietary, cardio and training standpoint so that we can maximize recovery um, and and continue to progress. Because recovery is a huge part of the puzzle um, in order to see physical progression in the sport of bodybuilding.
0: Yeah. So because I, I work with you, I kind of know how you go about this before our listeners, like, how do you, how do you look over someone's recovery? What are you looking for in biofeedback? Um, What is, what is something as far as variables are concerned that you look at and go, oh, their recovery sucks. Like we need to make some adjustments here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course um, you know, I'm going to listen to their digestion, how they're feeling throughout the week, how well their pumps are, their pumps are in the gym, so to speak, as well, um, as well as their uh, progression with their training. You know, are they progressing on a weekly basis? Because we want to ensure that the athlete is progressing on a week-to-week basis uh, via progressive overload. Um, and you can't always progressively overload the muscle. Everybody wants to do that, but if you're training the appropriate way you're not going to be able to continuously add weight to the bar or add more repetitions. Um, So I want to get the biofeedback as far as like, how are you progressing in the gym? How are you feeling in the gym? Are you motivated to go to the gym? If you're not motivated, I had a perfect example of a client a couple of days ago. She just said, I'm just not motivated. I don't feel like going to the gym. Um, And I took that biofeedback as like, okay, well, let's not. Let's just kind of take a deload week from the gym. And what is it that is going to motivate? you. And I kind of, you know, picked her brain as far as what she thought would be good for her for a week. Um, and we end up, uh, deciding on doing some like yoga classes, um, and things a little bit outside of the resistance training realm. And, uh, you know, we're going to see how that goes. And then I think more times than not, when you go for like a deload from the weights like that, you're going to be more motivated than ever to crush it. So, um, you know, it's all about mindset. And I I really ask every single one of our athletes to provide me with that kind of biofeedback. So I know how motivated, motivated they are, um, because you have to be motivated every step of the way, especially in a contest prep, the shit is tough and it's a mindset game. And if you're not motivated, we have to figure out what it is that is going to truly motivate you along the way.
0: Yeah. And I'm a huge advocate for whenever I have someone come to me about contest prep, you know, I'll try to talk them out of it because if I could talk you out of it, you're not ready. It's when you have that itch. Yeah. and it's like, I don't give a fuck what you say. I'm doing it. Like given that you're in a good metabolic standpoint and you know, you've, you've got, you've made the right, you know, appropriate adjustments with time off, but if someone can talk you out of doing it, you're not ready because it is hard mentally every day. Sometimes physically, you're not going to want to feel like doing it. And so understanding why you're doing what you're doing and having a strong enough, why, um, Is for me, you know, what gets me through and and what I make sure, you know, my clients remember is they tell me, you know, when I, when we decide to prep, you know, what is your why? And I always take note of it so I can remind them, you know, when they're struggling, remember your why? Well, you told me it was this, you know, is it still that? Oh yeah. Fuck yeah, coach. Like, let's get it, you know, Um, and and have that.
1: You got to understand your purpose and your why, especially when it comes to prepping for a show. It's not for everybody, and that's okay. It's, and that's that's okay. I feel like a lot of times it's it's just a bad for some of these people to say, "Yo, I'm in prep," um, and they don't actually go through with it, and and that's totally fine. But uh, you know, especially for first time athletes, we like to educate them. Do You understand, like this this isn't this isn't all fun and games. It, towards the end, it's going to get pretty rough, and we want you to understand all of these variables before you. Tackle this full force. And if you're ready, then we're standing beside you 100% the entire way. Um, but you have to be motivated yourself, understand your purpose for why you want you to prep for a show. Um, and I, damn, dude, I've seen this so many times. I'm probably going to make a post on this because so, so many people are like, um, just want to start a prep to lose weight. You know, or, uh, you know, I see this too many times. Um, I've got a lot of clients that do this as well, where they don't, they might not have the best reverse coming out of the show. And they're like, oh, coach, can can I just prep again, please? Uh, And I'm like, absolutely not. You know, we have to get your mindset right, your hormones right, your metabolism and everything in a healthier place before we can just, you know, prep. And that's why we preach the hell of having a successful reverse um, so that you don't put on too much weight too quickly and would want to, you know, start a dieting phase right off the bat. And it's harder than it, than it looks. You can't, uh, you have to, you know, reverse for a prolonged period of time. And, um, you know, I just feel like a lot of people prep for the wrong reasons. And uh, we're really good at, at citing that.
0: Yeah, I'm very adamant. That's probably one of the things that gets really, really under my skin is they do it for the validation and the, the, the likes, and they kind of lose themselves in the idea of what the sport is going to be for them. Um, and it doesn't validate you yeah. a person. It's something that even you know, the people that are in the sport, the longest, they do this all year round. It's not it, just about the prep. You know, they take their off season seriously. They still show at the gym. They still stay yeah, on top of their perfect. diet. They they've committed to kind of the lifestyle that it is. And prep is kind of the cherry on top where you like reveal it, um, but you can't be doing, you know, the shredded shit all the time. And then trying to sustain that long-term. Um, that's where I find disordered eating pattern, patterns kind of manifest um, because your physiology is going to fight you, your psychology also adapts when you diet, and so you know not understanding those those as well. I think you know a lot of coaches talk about evidence based, and I hate that that's like kind of a a catchword now, um, but they they disregard it it really is. they disregard the psychological adaptations that happen when you when you yeah. essentially are starving yourself too. And there's a lot of that that if you can't talk somebody through, they're not going to find comfort in understanding the process, and that's going to freak them out even more.
1: Yeah a huge part of, uh, coaching is the psychology aspect. So I'm glad you brought that up. It, it really is. Um, and you know, you kind of mentioned the disordered eating realm as well. Uh, and, you know, luckily we have a dietitian who specializes in disordered eating. Um, and she's been a huge help for us, any one of our athletes or clients that have kind of struggled with their mindset or relationship with food. Um, and, and I'm just so thankful that we have that kind of resource for any single one of our client with NBA. They don't have to be prepping, um, any kind of client that is struggling with a relationship with food, um, you know, we have a, a dietitian on staff that can help, help you guys.
0: I think that's phenomenal. So we'll definitely have to make sure we plug that individual or just your resources in general, because, um, you know, we, I, I don't have that on my team. Um, and I think that any, you know, regardless of who's listening to this podcast, if you are somebody who's in physique sports and you are struggling, um, you know, reaching out for help is probably the best thing that you can do. And it doesn't make you weak. I would say that acknowledging that you need help makes you an incredibly strong person. So I just want to take a moment to make sure that we plug that, um, as a resource to everybody. Um, Absolutely. So one of the things I really want to pick your brain on, uh, you talked about, you were going through morphogen nutrition and you talked about Tudka. Is that how you say it? Tudka or Tudka? I'm not sure. Um, Tudka, yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned- you mentioned that you are gonna that you were gonna run a a cycle, and so you know I am. This is like beyond my scope, um, but this is where I can learn a little bit more from you. So, um, talking about especially specifically in you know bikini figure, the kind of world that we live in here, um, about you know most common I would say is is anavar that I hear of, um, but there's clenbuterol um, and and some other PEDs, and so I would kind of like to give you the floor to really kind of dive into. Um, what you use, why you use, how you use, um, and when and, and you know all of it. So just Dylan, go.
1: <laughs> so Kate, hey, I'm sure you get this a lot. Um, a lot of people bring up the question when it comes to PEDs. Uh, PEDs stand for performance enhancing drugs for those of you that aren't unaware. Um, and PEDs are part of the sport of bodybuilding. It just comes with the, the nature to optimize one's physique. Um, and I get asked... You know, hey, coach, can I run a cycle of this or that? And before I give them my answer, it's like, you know, we need have you even like tried dieting for a little bit? You know, we got to we got to tackle things from other variables first and prove that you can adhere to a dietary protocol um, and adherence for a prolonged period of time. You know, of course, we got to make sure that your physiological health is in a good place. Something that I feel like a lot of these coaches that implement PEDs don't advocate. Um, we're huge on, you know, there's, we're open to PED usage. We have several athletes that are running, um, you know, the drugs. We, we have several athletes that are 100% natural. Um, no matter what, it comes down to the individual, their individual goals and the individual's health. Um, so if I have somebody coming to me that is looking to run any kind of performance enhancing drug, I make sure that we're, we get a full, um, you know, hormonal panel, and especially like liver enzymes, because when you run things like oral agents like oxandrolone uh, or Anabar, it's going to elevate your liver enzymes while on cycle, which is why I recommend a, a liver support such as tudca that you mentioned, um, while on these kind of performance enhancing drugs. So um, I made a post on this a couple of weeks back as far as do you need to use performance enhancing drugs to go pro? Um, and it's very vision dependent because I specifically said, do you need PDs to go pro in the bikini division? And I used three of my uh, bikini pros that we turned pro this year that went pro 100% natural. Now that doesn't say that the drugs could have further helped them I'm just saying, like, yo, these girls are natural athletes, and they achieve the pro status being a natural athlete. Um, now, you know, when you get to the pro ranks, a little bit, you know, things are going to be a little bit different, and um, you know, especially at the Olympia stage. We just had the Olympia last week, and you know, most of those people are, are enhanced, and that's fine. You know, if you want to be the best of the world, you got to do whatever it takes. Um, not saying that you need to implement anti-drugs at the to be the best in the world especially if you're like a genetic elite or genetic outlier um, but it comes with the territory more times than not um, and specifically talking about bikini the drugs that we we hear most are the Anavar and like you said clenbuterol so um, anivar for those that are unfamiliar with it it's more of like a pre-contest drug because what the drug can actually do is harden your muscle bellies um, and just help with overall vascularity and anybody that's ran a cycle will attest to the strength gains that come along with it. And an added bonus that can come along with the, is the fatty is the fatty acid oxidation that comes with it. So you can burn fat throughout the process as well. Um, a little history on this compound that we actually learned in dietetic school um, was is that this drug was synthesized for burn patients in the hospital. Because for these patients that are suffering from severe burns, we need to synthesize muscle tissue and collagen at a very rapid rate. So they added in the oxandrolone into these patients' diets, and they realized that muscle protein synthesis uh, was overturned very rapidly. These patients were recovering very fast. Um, and they were able to, to recover at a, just a a greater rate than they would without the, the Anivar use. And then of course, you know, bodybuilders found out about this drug and they realized, Hey, you know, this actually can help from a physique enhancement standpoint as well. So that's why a lot of uh, athletes use the Anivar, um, and it's more common in bikini or that's the, the drug of choice. I'd say in bikini, if any, just because it is one of the quote unquote safer, uh, anabolics that you can use typically uh, you know depending on the individual any kind of sides that come along with it would be uh, you know elevated liver enzymes it could it could um, you know negatively affect your cholesterol and lipid panel of course which is why I recommend getting labs done frequently if you're ever recommending or um, thinking about doing a cycle um, but once you're off cycle your lipids and liver enzymes uh, regulate very rapidly, so they they normalize at a very rapid rate. Um, but because of it, it's it's um, more of a safe compound, so to speak, or one of these safer PEDs. That's why a lot of bikini athletes use it. Um, not saying that it is safe, because like I said, you know it will affect your your lip, lipid profile pretty harshly, and uh, as well as your liver enzymes. So you just need to monitor those very very uh, closely. And if we're recommending Anavar for any bikini athlete, I would recommend it just for about a four to six, maybe eight week long cycle. So you want to make sure that the duration of it isn't too long um, because that's when those physiological side effects are going to worsen. Um, You know, it's very toxic. It is an oral compound, so it is liver toxic. That's why, again, I recommend taking the liver support with it. And then, you know, there's safe, safer ways and more responsible ways to go about the use of these drugs such as Anabar. Um, and a lot of coaches recommend extremely high doses they have the mentality that more is better and i'm all about the mentality less is more um so just the typical dose or, or cycle dose of Anovar for a bikini athlete would for me it would be you know start you off at like five milligrams a day which is a lower dose and see how you respond um with a lower dose and we can kind of coast on that we might just decide to use five milligrams for an entire cycle more advanced users i might recommend 10 milligrams a day and For any of my bikini athletes, I won't recommend any more than 10 milligrams a day. Now, if we're recommending like 15 to 20 milligrams a day, we're talking more uh, like a figure athlete or like a women's physique athlete who are gonna need a little bit more muscle tissue than what is necessary for bikini athletes. Um, And then of course I recommend Anabar for for my male athletes as well. So um, in the male divisions, it is a little bit harder to go pro as a natural athlete. Um, you know, I know of a couple of athletes that that did GoPro um, and mentioned Zeke as well as classic Zeke as a natural athlete, but they're genetic outliers. Um, so if you're a male listening to this um and your aspiration is to go pro, just understand that you might, you know, more times than not, you're gonna need to implement some kind of performance enhancing drug to go along with it. So um yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Kate?
0: No I just that's all very interesting to me and I'm really glad that you said something about dosing because that was going to be a question. I see you know a lot of a lot of people um, have issues with sides and, and they can't kind of reverse them um, from irresponsible dosing or uh, I think one of the scarier things is um, where you're getting it from and how to know it is exactly what it's supposed to be, um, you know, that's, that stuff. It's very underground. You're not getting it from a doctor. Um, and so, again, I think that that's one of the, my biggest things um, about any of it. Uh, I think it's all a personal choice. Um, but again, I just worry, cause I've seen where, you know, individuals are told it's one thing and then they find out they're taking Dianabol and you know, it's not what it's. And that's not
1: okay, especially for Pemos. For and, and that's something again, um, you know, I always, you know, you know, I always encourage your source, like you have to know your source and and trust that it is a good source, um, and test your shit. Like you can test, they have steroid testing kits. Like if you have anabolics, please test your own shit. And that's how you can know whether or not you're getting uh, a compound like Anabar or, you know, like you said, Dianabol or or you know, I've, I've known several girls that have come to me from previous coaches and the coach was like, yeah, you know, just take this. It's, you know, they thought it was Anivar and they end up finding out, um, mid cycle, this shit was Winstrol. And the reason why they realized it, cause their vocals were changing and Winstroll is more, um, you know, you have bikini girls taking Winstroll, don't get me wrong, especially at the top level. I don't recommend Winstrol just because I know the f- of side effects that can come with it, especially for prolonged use, but winstrel can deepen your voice and vocals um and that's how this girl found out that she wasn't getting true anavar; she was getting actually winstrel um she tested her shit mid-cycle though so that was on her she should have tested it beforehand um but the guy that she was getting it from is like yeah it's anavar," and no it would end up being winstrel so um guys if you're listening please it is a serious manner please test your shit
0: Yeah, that's, you know, one of the, it's just unfortunate because like I said, you know, you see some of these women and and maybe they knew, maybe they didn't know, um, but it it will change the way you look. You know, I see women who talk about, you know, their jawline has changed and their masculinity, you know, their femininity is lost and, you know, there's just other things. And again, I don't know, you know, which drug causes which outcome and maybe it's all, you know, how your body metabolizes and utilizes it. Um, You know, that's a big reason why just I haven't gotten into that realm yet. I I know that I will, at least educationally, I I think that's very important with where the sport is and, you know, being a coach. And that's why, you know, um, I've asked you many times about Anivar and and, and I've asked other coaches about Clambuterol. And, um, you know, I think it's important to learn, but to learn and then to practice um, and then to feel, you know, like I can monitor that as something that I'm just not comfortable with yet. Um, um, But maybe down the road, we'll see. Um, but the other thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, you say you run them for six to eight weeks, maybe, um, what does a cycle look like? So do you cycle off and then what, do you just stop it? Do you have to taper? I know some drugs you have to taper. Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Well, since we've been kind of focusing on the we'll just go ahead and take that. Um, you know, if we were running a cycle antiviral for four to six, eight weeks, whatever, um, you don't need a, to, you can just automatically stop, like just drop it out. It's not like you have to taper, down or off. It's not like a thyroid drug, which I know hell of a lot of people end up taking thyroid. Um, if you're a bikini athlete and your coach is having you take thyroid medication, that is fucked up and you know, just run. Okay. And I see this at the top level so many damn times. Thyroid medication is nothing to fuck with. Um, and if you need thyroid medication being a bikini athlete, you you're, you don't know how to diet appropriately. Like that you shouldn't need that in the bikini division whatsoever. Um, any female division whatsoever. I don't think thyroid is, is necessary. Now, we can talk about the, the male division as far as that goes, um, but that's for another topic. Um, anyway, as far as antiviral goes, you can just come off the, the cycle and and I'm gonna recommend, depending on the length of the cycle, you certainly wanna be uh, off of that compound for at least the length of the cycle, if not double the length. And typically I will take a long time off of the, the, the compound. So I'll typically wait about four weeks after their last dose, and then I'll have them get labs drawn. We'll kind of assess things from, um, you know, the physiological perspective, uh, check out all their lipids, their hormone profile and their liver enzymes, think, see where all those are. Um, and then, you know, might start up another cycle um, you know, a couple months down the road, but I'm not a huge advocate of a lot of people are like, you know, if I, I can run a cycle for six weeks, come off six weeks, run another six weeks. No, you know, it, I, like, I like taking time off and just letting your hormones and metabolism just, you know, do their thing from a natural perspective. And, uh, you know, using, using the PEDs very strategically. And I like centering the PEDs around times uh, of shows. So um, you know, that's when you're going to capitalize on a lot of these performance enhancing drugs, especially Anavar. A lot of people want to take ANOvar in their improvement season and, and that's fine. And I have people taking it in their improvement season. However, you just have to understand that you're not going to reap the benefits um with a compound like Anavar um as you would during the competition prep phases when you're really lean. Because when you're really lean, that's when you can truly see. Um, the benefits of the muscle hardness, the muscle fullness, the vascularity that come along with the ANOVAR. Um, But you'll still be able to definitely get the performance side of things in the improvement season if you were to implement the ANOVAR.
0: Cool, so now I have some questions. So when you have someone going into a show um, and they're going to take this do you strategically kind of reverse engineer that from the show date and if so then how far out would you have them start taking it um, and then if they're going to do more than one show how do you know when to work that in if they're going to take a break and does that change the way they look?
1: For sure. Absolutely so um, you know kind of strategically again you have to figure out What that that individual show schedule is going to look like if they're doing like three rounds of show relatively quick, we'll say like within a month's timeframe. You know, I might plan it accordingly to have them like start their cycle three weeks out from show one, and then they can basically run that cycle all the way through their three shows, and then that you know time it right where they're taking their last dose. The last day of their show, or around that last show, um, you know, it d- truly depends on the individual. And I have several athletes where you know I'll just start a cycle and and have them going into their sh- their show number one of the season, and then from show number one, come off cycle, and then I'll let the diet do the magic and start reversing them from show one into the rest of their shows. And it you know re- if you guys have ever reversed diet into shows. It's basically like a performance enhancing drug, you know, magic, metabolic magic happens is what I like to call it. If you reverse uh, effectively, um, you know, your muscle bellies look so much more full, your energy starts picking up, you just look so much more healthier, your, your lifts start to progress. Um, and that's not from many drugs. That's just from, you know, feeding your body what it truly needs. So a lot of times where I'll we're just kind of, you know, run a cycle for show number one, and then I'll just reverse into the rest of the shows and come off cycle for the rest of the season.
0: Awesome. And but again, question, it always
1: comes down to the individual. What were you saying? I said, again, it just comes down to the individual for sure.
0: Um, when it comes to uh, Tutka like you said, so when you stop the cycle, do you continue to take that to support the liver or do you also just st- stop that too?
1: Absolutely. So I do recommend uh, continuing to take that um, up until the point where we redraw labs and then reassess the labs at that point in time to decide whether or not we continue on with the liver support
0: awesome that's so informative i don't know why but that's really cool um the other one that i wanted to ask you about um was clenbuterol and and when to use that how to use it so you say it's magic some coaches are like that's the worst thing you could take Um, so what is your opinion and, and how would you implement that
1: yeah, so more times than not, um, you know, clenbuterol, I'm not a huge advocate of it. Uh, if I do implement it, it's probably more so for my male athletes when we're trying to get like bone peeled and fucking shredded. or like striated glutes and things like that. Um, but again, I try to t- attack things without the clenbuterol and I kind of use that as like emergency purposes. If I feel like we still have a little bit of fat to lose, we're like four or six weeks out, whatever. I might run a cycle of two weeks on for clen of clen one week off going into the show. Um, very, very rare. Do I, uh, implement it for my bikini athletes anymore? I have in the past, but it's, I just see it worsening the overall look more so nowadays. Um, and you know, when you know how to truly diet a bikini athlete down, you're not going to need clenbuterol given the fact that you're dieting down and prepping for a prolonged period of time, giving yourself that adequate time is crucial right there. So many people just don't give themselves enough time Mm -hmm. and they rely on fucking compound, excuse me, um, compounds such as the clinbuterol to kind of just act as a crutch to get them even leaner going into the shell. But again, I'm not about that. So it's just kind of, I use the clinbuterol as uh, emergency purposes only. for bikini athletes that I see that are using the the clenbuterol, um, I feel as if it gives them more of a stringing look going onto the stage. And again, you know, with bikini, you don't want that kind of stringing look. You want full muscles. Um, so if you're a bikini athlete implementing clenbuterol in your prep, I'd highly recommend tapering off going some somewhere in peak week where you have a few days going into your show off the clenbuterol because if you're running clenbuterol all the way up to your show you're going to find out that your muscles are not excuse me going to fill out um to their most optimal state and you're not going to peak your physique to its true potential
0: and do you have to take anything with that do you have to taper off of it when you stop how does that one kind of work as well
1: yeah so um again, there's so many different things you can do with clenbuterol. It always comes down to the individual. Again, I always have to say that. Um, But when you're taking clenbuterol, you know, I recommend supplementing with some taurine uh, because clen can actually deplete your taurine levels, which a lot of times is why people cramp when they take clenbuterol. A lot of people don't realize that clen depletes. Taurine, and if you don't understand that, then you probably shouldn't be taking clenbuterol. Um, but it depletes taurine, which causes um, a lot of athletes to cramp up. Um, which, as you can imagine, you don't want that on stage. So by supplementing with uh, gram or two of taurine while running the clenbuterol, that's going to help combat that. Um, and then again, you know, you can taper depending on how high you're running the clenbuterol. Um, you can you can come off of it just without like tapering down, um, and you know. I'd rather that than tapering an athlete down with Clinbuterol um, just because, again, it's I don't like using it for that long amount of time. I feel like it's too many people abuse Clinbuterol um, and then end up having uh, long-term health issues as far as like their heart goes. Um, so Clinbuterol is very uh it puts a lot of stress on the heart guys and, and we don't want to do that again so make sure that you' are if you are implementing clenbuterol into uh, your cycle you're doing so in a very um, methodical approach and uh, you're not running a shit ton of it um, all at once and for too long. Um, a lot of things that come with climbuterol or people think uh, just because they don't feel the effects of the clenbuterol because if you know when you first start clenbuterol cycle you'll, you'll realize that you start shaking. Um, It increases your heart rate very quickly, you know, kind of gives you like this nice little caffeine high. And when people stop feeling those effects, they're like, oh, well, the Clin's not working. So they up their dose, they up their dose until they start feeling those effects. And just because you're not, quote unquote,
0: feeling
1: the effects of Clin doesn't mean that it's not working because it is. And that's where so many people um, end up abusing the Clinbuterol. So that's just something that you guys need to be aware of.
0: That's awesome. Wow. There's a lot of tidbits to take away from that. That was very, very educational. So thank you, Dylan. Um, The last question that I have for you um, is you coach your fiance. Um, So how do you separate um, you know, work in your personal life and is that hard for you? Um, has that ever caused any problems? I know some people cannot do that. Um, and I know some couples that do really well with it. So what is that experience like for you guys?
1: Yeah, I I love this question. Um, so it actually helps our relationship, um, believe it or not, you know, it goes really well with our relationship and, um, you know, I tell people I treat her just as if she, She's any other one of my clients. Um, I know her goals and they're set high. And so I, tr- I have to treat her like any other client um, and she knows I'm going to do that. So, um, you know, we definitely have to separate like the the coach and, you know, the, the relationship roles. Um, and, you know, the fact that we have such good trust for one another, that is what makes every single role, so to speak, works so damn well um she trusts me to help her with her physique goals um and she trusts me you know to a lot of people you know, so i tan all of my girls and a lot of girls always ask lauren like how do you like see how how is it like seeing him tan these girls naked like doesn't that bother you and she's like no not at all it's his job i trust him and he's doing his job and he's, and I I love it for him. So um, the fact that we have so much trust for one another, that definitely helps in both the coach client role, as well as the, um, you know, fiance relationship role too. So.
0: That's phenomenal. And I know that one of the biggest things that I hear is like, you know, it's hard to make that call when you have to push somebody because at some point it sucks. Right. And so sometimes I know people will feel guilty for being like, you know, you got to suffer right now like that's that's what time it is um and and the fact that you can balance that um you know what is what is something that do you have her check in with you like like any other client like through check-in email like that way or do you do it in person and just kind of talk about it like how do you organize that
1: um okay you kind of just froze can you guys reiterate that last question
0: yeah. Um, when it comes to her checking in with you specifically, does she check in like every other client, like via email or do you do in person and kind of talk about it? Like how do you, um, navigate that situation?
1: Again, I treat her just like a client. So I have her email me pictures and posing videos and, uh, yeah, we, we monitor, uh, via email communication. Um, Again, yeah, I, I don't treat her any differently. I have her fill out, as you know, we've got a data sheet uh, that I have all of our athletes and clients log in a daily basis. I have her do the exact same thing. Um, and I make sure that she's you know, she, she's capitalizing on, on her time and as my time as well. So I treat her just as if I do any other, any other one of our athletes.
0: I think that's awesome. I think that that's where a lot of people probably find conflict is they try to do it outside of work hours and they bring it into personal hours and then it just gets, it gets hairy from there. Um, but yeah,
1: and she's really good. You know, we, we help balance each other out and she's really good at, uh, um, my time management. She's been amazing for that because when, when she, uh, when we f- first started dating, she realized like, all I was doing was like work because that's when I didn't have a team of, of, Coaches, as many coaches as I do now, um, so she's kind of re- helped me realize I need, you know, email hours and I need time away from emailing, and uh, you know, I, she's been a, a blessing in disguise as far as helping me, um, you know, further help all of my athletes and uh, you know, further help our overall relationship and and uh, strengthen it throughout that time too.
0: That's amazing, and you guys are getting ready for your wedding, which is so exciting
1: we are super excited. Yes, we are like going on five weeks out, I think. So we're doing a little wedding cut. Uh, yeah, we're going to be, we get married February 7th in the Maldives. So we're super excited about that. Cannot wait to marry her.
0: That's Phenomenal. <laughs> All right, Dylan. So last question is what is the future of BA? What do you have in store? What do you have planned? Um, I know bigger and better things are coming, but of course I want to hear it from you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate this question. So, um, for those that are unaware, we've actually just launched a legitimate BA dietetic internship program. Um, we have our first official intern on ongoing right now. She's doing an eight-week internship. And uh, where we see that going is we're going to be able to take on more than one intern at one time. So if you're a future dietetic student or if you are a dietetic student, um, know that we are having these internship opportunities uh, and kind of specializing in the sports nutrition and entrepreneurship side of things so if you are a, a an aspiring fitness coach or a dietitian and you're you know curious on how we do things here at BA, uh, you know we you could have a, a future potential uh, internship opportunity with us so I'm super excited about that because there's nothing there was nothing like this uh when I was interning and becoming a dietitian because when I was becoming a dietitian 98% of RDs Work in the clinical aspect, and I knew I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do things differently, you know, the online coaching and specialization in the bodybuilding side of things. Um, so I want people to learn from my experience and and help, uh, you know, future RDs and dietetic students learn and learn how to create their own businesses, just like I have with BA. Um, and then aside from that, we actually have a we're in the process, COVID depending, on a BA retreat weekend. So. Um, we're going to be having a bunch of clients come into town, probably Arizona, um, but just because there's so much to do here. And we're going to have like an awesome uh, posing seminar, prep seminar. We're going to have uh, hopefully some judges come into town, uh, have a bunch of sponsors, give away goodie bags and things like that, uh, do dinners and team hikes, team lifts and things of that nature. Um, so we're, we're looking to have our, our first ever BA retreat in 2021, given that uh, COVID uh, plays in our favor. <laughs>
0: that is fantastic and of course some new pros along and of course
1: uh and you're one of them girl absolutely yeah so so the goal is a lot more pros and uh yeah I have to also mention uh you know I I, it's a really big goal to get somebody on that O stage so um uh, you know I know you've worked with Paul and you you know you coach alongside Paul so it was cool seeing him get his first Olympia and Olympian girl, uh, the That was so awesome. And I just can't wait to be in, in that spot. So it's coming just in due time. Promise.
0: Just a matter of time. Thank you so much, Dylan. Please let people know where they can find you, where they can follow you.
1: Yes. Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram, Dylan, D Y L E N bear, B A I R underscore R D or follow our team page, bear aesthetics. Um, you can uh, shoot me an email if you're interested in coaching, baresthetics at gmail.com or just check out our website at
0: bearesthetics.com. awesome thank you so much Dylan for this chat it was very informative and we'll probably do it again
1: hell yeah we will girl thanks for having me Kate this was fun